We're just starting our gestational group housing project, so we don't have any completed data yet, but what we're looking at essentially is that social stress they undergo. So these, we're mostly working with gilts right now, so it's their first time going into gestational group housing. They're in groups of eight. I know some producers will vary anywhere from four up to probably 16 or 20, um, but anytime you mix those gestating females and they start fighting, we have a lot of concerns both about um, being able to maintain that pregnancy, is that stress influencing the offspring, and also, of course, a big one is going to be lameness. How do we manage that? We don't want lame gestating females. Um, and so for the most part in our on our farm and our project, these are static groups, so they get mixed following ultrasound, and they stay in those groups. Other producers might have other management practices. Um, but for the most part, what we're observing so far is we do get that acute stage of mixing when they're establishing their social hierarchy. And some of the animals will continue fighting. So that's where our project is looking at who quickly adapts to being in that group and can handle the stress and recover quickly which ones are struggling and maybe still fighting, still stressed out. And we're going to be looking at how is that impacting the offspring? It's time for a new era of communication in the swine industry. One that you can get the latest updates while commuting or driving to farms. Here you will have the brightest minds of the global swine industry in your pocket. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. Feedflow. Feed is too expensive to ignore. Take control with Feedflow. At a sale. Provides programs and services to help producers achieve their targets in high quality, safe, and sustainable way. AB Vista. New nutritional perspectives and novel enzyme applications to drive pig production. AccuFast. The best way to predict the future is to create it. Start creating your future today at AccuFastSwine.com. Eastman works with you to accelerate your nutritional program innovation. Curious to discover if you can manage your animal data and team's work with the touch of a finger? Some of the best and largest pig farm holdings worldwide use cloud farms to collect and analyze data like never before. How? With the most advanced mobile app to collect data accurately and super fast. For breeding, farrowing, weaning, and finishing, also, this is the easiest way to assign tasks to your team and motivate to work more efficiently. You instantly understand what gets done on time and what doesn't. So yes, you can manage your animal data with the touch of a finger. Good morning and welcome to another episode of the SwineNet Podcast. I'm your host, Trey Kellner. And today I'm joined by Andrea Levin, a PhD candidate in genetics and genomic sciences at Michigan State University. Good morning, Andrea. How are you? Good. And I'm so glad to be joining the podcast today. Yeah. Thanks for joining us. Why don't you go ahead and introduce uh, yourself to our listeners? Sure. So I uh, actually, interesting thing about me is I had no agricultural background prior to my college education, starting with my bachelor's, um, and I just kind of fell in love with it. So when I decided to continue into grad school, I stuck with it. So no pig background, but now I am spending all my time with pigs. Um, it's been a really fun 
opportunity to look at multiple dis- different disciplines in the pig. Um, so it's been a learning curve, but I love it. Um, as mentioned, I'm in genetics, but I consider animal science my home. And I'm working with pigs, but I'm focusing on behavior, some meat quality, a little bit. Um, and then we're going to be moving in the next year heavily into the molecular side of things. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so, Andrea, let's kind of start big picture, right, for some of our pork producer listeners. One thing that's um, a changing dynamic within our industry, you know, over the past decade and even this past year, you know, with the uh, the implementation of Prop 12 policies in California is the social dynamics of sows now in pens. So, Andrea, maybe, you know, talk about some of your findings or maybe your expertise in terms of that dynamic is we move sows into stalls and then pens, and then whether that pen is a static or a dynamic um, social structure. Um, Andrea, what, what would you like our listeners to know about what you found? Yeah, so we're just starting our gestational group housing project. So we don't have any completed data yet, but what we're looking at essentially is that social stress they undergo. So these We're mostly working with gilts right now, so it's their first time going into gestational group housing. They're in groups of eight. I know some producers will vary anywhere from four up to probably 16 or 20. Um, But anytime you mix those gestating females and they start fighting, we have a lot of concerns, both about um, being able to maintain that pregnancy, is that stress influencing the offspring, And also, of course, a big one is going to be lameness. How do we manage that? We don't want lame gestating females. Um, And so for the most part on our farm and our project, these are static groups. So they get mixed following ultrasound and they stay in those groups. Other producers might have other management practices. Um, But for the most part, what we're observing so far is we do get that acute stage of mixing when they're establishing their social hierarchy. And some of the animals will continue fighting. So that's where our project is looking at who quickly adapts to being in that group and can handle the stress and recover quickly, which ones are struggling and maybe still fighting, still stressed out. And we're going to be looking at how is that impacting the offspring? Yeah, very cool. Um, So one thing is once those pigs, you know, are weaned, right? There's another social dynamic and stress during that weaning process. So I know you've, you've dabbled in that a little bit, as you described earlier. Andrea, maybe go over uh, what you've learned or what you're doing so far. Yeah, so we started on a weaning project. Oh gosh, it's probably been about two and a half years now that we started that project. It's now complete. It was done in crossbred, so our terminal crosses. And what we found was that those piglets that struggle to recover from weaning stress within a quick amount of time, for us, that was four days post-weaning. We did see some lasting differences in behavior where they're a little bit more timid to novel environments. Um, They vocalize more. We saw increased amounts of aggression. So there are some lasting impacts when we're looking at weaning stress and their ability to recover from it. Um, that was, of course, in a crossbred model. So we then transitioned it to a purebred model. And we're pretty excited because mm, 
about half of our gestating gilts right now were actually a part of that weaning project. So we're going to be able to follow them all the way through, see if the ones that responded poorly or very well to weaning stress, do they then handle that gestational group housing well or poorly? So does that carry through for the rest of their productive lives? And then we're going to be following their offspring. So we're going for a multi-generational approach of does this issue of social stress, is it consistent in how they react? And like, what are the impacts really for both the animal's welfare, but also the producer? Yeah, that's awesome. Well, that kind of leads me into my next question, right, Andrea? And that's kind of epigenetics, right? So maybe for our listeners, first of all, give a definition of what epigenetics is and what it isn't and how it relates to what we were just talking about. Yeah, so epigenetics is going to be your inheritable changes that's not due to DNA sequence differences. So at the molecular level in terms of your nucleotides, so your basic ACTCG, that's not changing. But what's happening is either the way the DNA in the cell is folded can allow for better or worse access of the cell machinery to transcribe those genes, or what we're looking at, which is DNA methylation. For our general public, you can think of it as flags on the DNA sequence that tell the cell machinery to express it more or less, whether that's encouraging cell machinery to bind better to the DNA and transcribe those genes, or perhaps it's preventing it from binding. So it's reducing how much that gene can be expressed. And those um, epigenetics is pretty broad now that we understand it better because some of it can happen within our lifetime in response to immediate events. So our lab has previously looked at weaning stress, which is how this all started. And we found that weaning stress induces changes to the DNA methylation. And that then influences how genes are expressed and it was related to immunity, stress response, and so on. But we haven't looked at that longer term. So do those changes in the epigenome, are they persisting through the animal's life? Are they getting passed on to the offspring? We don't really know yet. So that's what we're hoping to start looking at. Yeah, very cool. Very cool. Um, let's see, let's move on to, um, understanding like further molecular mechanisms of stress, right? So maybe describe, you know, two or three of those mechanisms that, you know, your lab group or you yourself are specifically targeting. And then, you know, maybe broader picture, what should maybe pork producers think about, um, in terms of how those mechanisms are occurring and how they may be able to, um, lower stress or, you know, be able to be more adaptive within their systems. Andrea, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so the gene we've kind of focused on so far is NR3C1, which is the glucocorticoid receptor. So if you've never heard about that before, basically cortisol that's circulating in your system, it will bind to this receptor that's on the cell membrane. It's then able to enter the cell and it actually will act as... um, We call them transcription factors, but basically it can bind to the DNA and it will influence how other genes are expressed. So we saw a change in that genes, both methylation and gene expression. So it's not just about 
oh, it might modulate how the animals handle stress on a molecular level. It's also going to be influencing a whole array of other genes related to immunity, your growth, and so on. Um, like I said, it's it's a very broad net of genes that are at interplaying with that. So it's hard to speak to very specific mechanisms. We don't go on the protein level in our lab. So I can't say, oh, well, there's definitely more of this receptor in these animals. Um, but we do know that stress influences both that gene and therefore all its genes that it can affect. So it's, it's hard to say because, like I said, we're just starting to look at these lasting impacts. What are those? But I can say, which is a pretty common sense thing, we want to reduce stress because it does have lasting impacts. We see it at the phenotypic level. We're starting to learn about it on the molecular level. But we just want to reduce stress. And when we're talking about group housed animals, when it's a legislative mandate, that's hard to say. Like, how do you do that? So our lab is primarily interested at understanding, like, what genes are involved in the stress regulation and what are its downstream effects. So that maybe as we move forward from the genomic side of things, we can start selecting for these animals that are very able to handle stress. We don't want to remove stress. Stress is, to a point, is healthy. It's our body's way of preparing for an event and helping us cope with that. So we don't want to eliminate the stress response. We just want to find animals that are able to recover quickly to baseline and return to their normal. So that healthy response versus a maladaptive response. Yeah, it, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there in terms of what the intriguing part of your research is, is, you know, we don't have the ability to eliminate all stress, right? But if we can select, you know, specific genetics um, that allow us um, to have a herd or a population of pigs that is more robust and more adaptive to those stress events, um, then maybe our farrowing rate, maybe our total born, maybe our born alive, maybe our nursery average daily gain and feed conversion and mortality numbers will be improved, right? And I think also it's just a good message as well. It's not only, you know, do acute stress events or sudden stress events, you know, have production uh, losses um, within that time frame, but they can have lasting effects throughout the lifetime. And even in the South case, right, even her progeny, um, you know, throughout, um, you know, their lifetimes as well. So it's not just, you know, that singular out of feed event that you lose that, you know, intake gain or, you know, total born on the sow, right? It's the impact that that stress event has on her and then her offspring or in the finishing side, right? For the rest of, rest of that growing period. Um, so yeah, any times that we can control what we can control, right? Or think about how do we better handle, you know, our herds and our livestock, um, those things are important, not only short-term, but long-term. So appreciate you um, adding some further science and clarification um, to that simple point of doing our jobs every day. So um, what else, Andrea? I know that your PhD platform is quite broad. Uh, what else would you like to hit on and share with our listeners? Well, um, I guess I... Now that I've finished analysis on our meat data, I can share a bit on that side of things. Last time I was on the podcast, we weren't ready yet. We had our behavior data all set, but the meat data was still getting wrapped up. So with that one, what we did was this was based on our weaning project. We then followed those gilts to market weight. 
And then we assess their carcass merit, their meat quality, and all sorts of traits within those two realms. And as a grad student, we always want to see significant differences, right? Like we're, we're trained to say, oh, we want to see significance. Um, in this case, we saw no differences between our resilient and our vulnerable guilts which some people would be like, oh, well, isn't that a bad thing? And I say, no, it's a wonderful thing. Because what that's saying is we can potentially select for resilience to weaning stress, improve mm-hmm. their welfare, and we're not hurting the producer's bottom dollar. We're not doing that at a cost of decreasing meat quality or decreasing our carcass weights. So that was pretty exciting to see, even if from the academic side, it was negative results. But to me, I say that's great for the producer because this means we can make progress without moving backwards in another area. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Anything else, Andrea, that you'd like to highlight? Um, um, I will say with our group housing, because I'm sure some listeners will be like, oh, that's great that you're working on the molecular stuff, but like, how can I start looking for these stressed or vulnerable animals in a group housing system. Um, And because we're very aware of that, and I like trying to have some translatable results for producers because they're always at the heart of our research. We want to help them. Um, So while it's probably going to be a bit before we get all our sequencing data back so we can start speaking on the molecular side, um, we're collecting salivary cortisol. So looking at that stress hormone, We're also looking at tear staining, so the amount of dark staining under the pig's eye, which I'm sure we've all seen before walking through the barns. Um, It's suggested to be correlated to stress. So we're looking to see, does that actually correlate to their response at mixing? Can this be an indicator that when you're walking through the barn, if you see a sow with a large stain under her eye, is that an indicator that that particular sow is really struggling in the group environment and needs some sort of intervention on the management side? Um, We're also looking at lesions. So the scratches on skin from fighting um, as another easy visual indicator of like, is this correlated to how that sow is coping? So trying to get a few of those quickly applicable um, visual indicators into Sure. That's awesome, Andrea. It's time for our famous three. We want to thank the innovative companies and products whose support and trust make this podcast possible. MS Gold, the best hygiene products in livestock farming. Cloud Farms, swine management to the next level. Ivonic, we are sciencing the global food challenge. Healthy Farms by Bioverse, your manure management experts. Want to save up to 25% in labor time when cleaning your barns? With MS Top Foam Power, you effectively remove all historical pollution. MS Top Foam Power ensures the surface is perfectly clean and ready for disinfection. Find your dealer at www.msgold.eu. Meet AccuFast, your trusted partner in raising efficient, healthy, and sustainable pork. We're not just about genetics, we're about tailored solutions that set you on your path to success, no matter how you define it. 
At AccuFast, we channel our investments into three crucial pillars, our genetic offering, proprietary technology platform, and leading commercial measurement system, ensuring tangible results for our partners. Visit our website at AccuFastSwine.com or reach out to an AccuFast customer success rep to discuss how we can help you create the future you've been working towards. AccuFast, the best way to predict the future is to create it. I have kind of four fun questions to kind of end this podcast on. So the first is you have a lot that you're working on. I want to ask you if you could just solve one of those research questions that you have tomorrow, which would you pick and why? Oh, goodness. (laughs) (laughs) So this isn't even my research, but I've had this crazy pondering about where does the pig smell come from? So... Pigs don't sweat. I've worked with pigs that were in very clean crates for research projects. They still stink even though they are spotless. So, you know, from a genetic side, if there's something involved and we could select for not stinky pigs, I feel like that would be the coolest thing ever. (laughs) Sure. Yeah. It's, uh, I always think, or I always remember back to my time as a graduate student, and that creativity of your thought process, right? And the ability to just think about, well, how does that actually work? Um, and be surrounded by some of the most brilliant people in the world within our field um, that can then help you answer it. That is, that's great. So yeah, great question. And uh, yeah, we'll see if you come up with, with a solution one of these days, Andrea. So yeah. Uh, what's the biggest hurdle that you've overcome that you're the most proud of, Andrea? Like in terms of research or... Yeah, research or, you know, yeah, how you've gotten to where you're at. You know, what are you the most proud of today? I would say, honestly, just how involved I am now with working with pigs for having absolutely no pig experience whatsoever. Um, The first time I stepped foot on our research farm, I was like, oh, man, those finisher hogs are very intimidating. Like, When you don't have that background, you don't appreciate how large and how powerful a market hog is until you're in with them. Um, So I started out pretty timid, honestly. And now I work with all our gestating gilts and sows and like I have no problem going in with them. Um, So honestly, just the learning curve of like getting comfortable with working with the animals and being able to jump in at every stage of production and having that experience. Because if I can't speak to producers in a way that they are familiar with, what is the point of my research? So being able to just dabble into the industry without having that prior experience has been really important to me. Oh, yeah. No, there's a high co- correlation between you know being relatable and having influence. Right. So if you want to get your message across or share your data or share your findings and making sure that you can be relatable in how you're communicating that and and expressing the same experiences is extremely important. So that that's awesome, Andrea. Uh, Congrats. Um, So the third question is, what's your favorite pork recipe? Oh, gosh. (laughs) Um, So this is this is terrible for me to say. I'm not a huge pork fan besides bacon. I, but the one recipe that my family always used to make, super simple, you 
get some pork chops, put them in the bottom of a dish, make stuffing, put it on top, mix up some sour cream with cream mushroom soup, put that on top, bake it. And then you just pull it off and it's got your little bread side with it and your pork chop and it's pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, last question here, and then we'll we'll let you off the hook here, Andrea. We'll, we will try not to make this a PhD defense. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> last question is, we're coming up on the holiday season. What's your favorite holiday tradition that you enjoy celebrating the most? For me, it's absolutely gingerbread cookies. Um, oh. Every year I get a couple friends together. We make easily over like 400 cookies over a two-day period decorate them all, take them to the farms, work, family, neighbors, friends. So that's that's my favorite. And it's, it's funny because about halfway through decorating 400 cookies, I'm always like, why did I do this to myself? This is horrible. And I just keep doing it every year. So <laughs> yeah. Well, it's tradition, right? You got to do it. That's what makes it a tradition. So yeah, well, thanks for joining us, Andrea, and sharing a little bit about yourself and your current research. Um, We all wish you the best of luck as you wrap up your PhD candidacy um, and accomplish your degree. And we look forward to seeing how you can help us all uh, going forward with the rest of your career. So best of luck, Andrea. And with that, that concludes this episode of the Swine It Podcast. I hope you check out more of our episodes and get ready to listen to more new episodes that will be coming out shortly. Hope you have a great rest of your day.